you don't just apologize, but you say you explain how you're going to make it right as well. Yeah. So so it, 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 it's going further and saying, I'm sorry, we we did wrong. We're going to do this to to rectify the you know the thing and just come out really quickly. You are listening to One More Question, a podcast by Nicework, a branding and service design company. One of the things we do best is asking our clients the right questions. This podcast came about because we wanted to share some of the best answers that we've heard over the last 12 years. We talked to significant creators, experts, and communicators who we've encountered, and we share the useful insights, inspirations, and facts that made us stop and take notes as we go about our work. I'm your host, Ross Drakes. Today I'm talking to Dion Chang, who's a strategic thinker, keynote speaker, and professional cage rattler. He's a respected trend analyst and the founder of Flux Trends, which takes the unique view of trends as a business strategy. We love his take on changing the world and consumer motivation and what companies should be looking at to measure. And we have a little bit of a discussion around how to navigate the world of brand communications. Thank you very much for joining us here today, Dion. Good. Thanks very much for inviting me. Um, I'd like to start, uh, uh, I love your, your take on the, the word for the year. Will you tell us your word for last year and your yes. word for this so year? So my word for 2018 was discombobulated and everyone, if they didn't know it and looked it up, said actually you're right. It was then, and in hindsight, it was a very, very punishing year for everybody all around. Um, and then my word for 2019 is, or words, is it's complicated. Or it's very complicated. So um, if you look, just you know everything from, uh, you know what we do at, at, at Fluxspeed, we use the uh, um, um, uh, the word trends, uh, and we we use that, and we pick out each of those those pillars. So T for technology, R for retail, E for um, state of the economy, N for natural world, D for diplomacy, and S for social and cultural. In each of those pillars, whether it is diplomacy or politics to the state of the economy or technology, it's just very, very complicated. Specifically on the social cultural side, um, the, the kind of the rise and rise and rise of identity politics, that becomes even more complicated. So, you know, we've seen just um, brands wanting to do good and passing good messages, which they thought were going to be thoughtful and meaningful, and then it just kind of explodes back into their faces. So. So, I mean, I think that's an interesting uh, segue to jump into. Uh, I think the exact words you used was the brand communications cesspit. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I'd be interested to understand, uh, well, like, from your perspective, what do you think is happening in that world of kind of brand communications? What do people need to be aware of? So, there's two things that, that go hand in hand. So, you know, for the past couple of years, um, uh, and if people want to Google it, there's a, something called the Pro prosumer report uh, by Havas Global and it was quite a few years back um, and that was kind of the seed of things where they, where they started. It was a worldwide survey and South Africa included um, and overwhelmingly almost like 80% of respondents around the world said it's not just up to governments to push for positive change, big business has that responsibility as well. That started bleeding into the kind of the consumer brand space where you started to see brands use kind of a little bit of a moral stand or a, or a value, uh, this is where our, our values are based, um, and, and they started needing to do so. So you, you're starting to get a younger consumer coming into, or come of age, so we've done, we've been tracking, you know, the kind of the Gen Z rise uh, for the past four years, but now they are 21, 22, so they, are, they have come of age, or the, the oldest ones have come of age. Um, so 
in, it's a two-prong effect. So they, they are going to be your, your workforce now, the entry-level workforce, and they're also going to be your consumers. Um, and, you know, when I talked to people about that, they said, well, it's a very small demographic that's just coming of age, but, you know, there's still a whole lot of teenagers that still fit into that demographic. They don't have disposable income. And I say, but how wrong can you be? Um, any parent who has a teenager knows that they have been manipulating the family budget all along. So, you know, who decides where you go on holiday? Who decides what you eat during the week? Who decides what tech you buy? And you give you hand that responsibility of researching all of that tech mm. to your teenager anyway. And they also have the luxury of passing and, all their costs yeah, straight back to and you. And now they have come of age. And so, you know, they are your, your customer. And um, I say to a lot of companies, both on an HR perspective as well as a brand and, and consumer perspective, is, you know, um, if you're still obsessed with millennials, really get over that. That bus left so long ago um, and, you you know, you really need to worry about these guys because their social justice barometer is through the roof yeah. and they're not going to give you brand um, loyalty if you do not, uh, are not very outspoken about where your values sit and then they're also not going to be, um, you know, they're not going to share that um, with you and they're sure as hell not going to come and work for you if you don't do that. So in terms of business and brands, but it's just kind of big business, uh, I'll lump it into one, um, it's a very uncomfortable space for them to, to be in because, you know, the old thing is just keep, keep your shareholders happy and we'll look at the bottom line. And specifically for this generation, purely bottom line business is a really distasteful thing. So, yes. you know, and, and people are saying, well, you know, we, you know, we do good and they're saying, but you should have been doing good anyway. So your CSI policy is not and a part, it should be part and parcel you know, of it. So what I've been tracking as well, which is an interesting one, it's, it's, it's been around for a while, but it's only starting to come onto my radar, and especially maybe companies in South Africa, I, I still don't think it's on the radar, but are something called a B, a B Corporation listing. So um, it started from a company called B Labs. They started in about 2007, 2008, but they've started this, in essence, I mean, the only kind of thing I can match it to in South Africa is like a BE kind of certification. Yes. But your B corporation listing, um, you are you invite them to assess your company and it's not only about your workforce well being, so it's um, your your social as well as environment environmental impact on the world. So it's a very holistic way of of looking at that and, and it's it's kind of the new benchmark. So um, you know Big companies, the obvious ones are like companies like Patagonia who do good anyway. Um, but recent uh, joinings are like Danone America and um, there's a subsidiary of, of Unilever that they've bought over a company that, that does eco-cleaning goods. Um, that's just got the B Corporation listing. So slowly and slowly you're getting companies, Ben & Jerry's is also part of one of them, um, but it, it's saying we're open to that assessment and we're going to be tra completely transparent and it's not just about shareholders it is workforce it is societal as well as environmental so it's quite a, a big, big shift for them to to do that so, i mean we're yeah. seeing this a lot too we we think that we've moved out of that social economy mm -hmm. and we're moving into that impact economy and no, i think absolutely. it's becoming yeah. more and more important for brands to yeah. define what their impact is and i think people get caught up in the term impact and they think patagonia is an easy one because they're good yeah. for the environment and they're yeah. doing all the stuff but how do you, as an accounting firm or a bank, you know, where your service doesn't necessarily affect 
positive change in the environment, yeah. how do you kind of define your impact and how so, do you make so, that So you know, at the end of last year, we uh, came out, we, we did some research. So quarterly, we do reports and research that we want to do. So most of the time, we are commissioned to do reports for different companies. But every quarter, we bring out something that we want to, we're interested in. And um, because of the, the kind of the feeling of complete burnout last year, uh, we ended the year with a, a wellness report. Um, but because our mantra at Flux is trends as business strategy, we had to take it from a very business and corporate point of view. So we looked at wellness as a corporate responsibility. Um, and we had some people when we launched the, we did the trend briefing, you know, uh, feel quite put out because uh, I started by saying um, that free fruit bowl that you're giving to everybody in the free Pilates <laughs> class ain't going to cut it anymore. <laughs> um, and there was one guy from a company said, but we love our free fruit bowls and people really like it. I'm like, yeah, but you've got to do more than that. Yeah. And what is interesting that came out of that was a holistic well-being in terms of looking after your your workforce. So I said, yes, there's career well-being because you want to be um, mentored and you need that career mapping way of doing things. Um, there's, but then now there's also social well-being and community well-being that goes into it. And the one thing that I found really interesting was um, they added uh, another pillar to that, which, which was financial well-being. And we started looking into that, and um, I think it's kind of, you know, uh, where we are in the world, and especially in South Africa now, is that you, you're in this hourglass economy, so your middle class is being squeezed royally, your 1% are fine, uh, the, the bottom part of the pyramid are not fine, um, but that middle class is, is, is really worried. So you, you, in terms of productivity, um, so we, if we're talking about brand communications, not only just going out towards your customers, but now looking inwardly and making sure that the entire ecosystem of your company culture is up to speed with that. And the, the one thing that we, when we started digging deeper and deeper and deeper was um, about mental health well-being. So people were at work, and it's a momentum report that we quoted, you know, they, they draw the, the difference between uh, people being absent, absenteeism, and presenteeism. So you are at work, but you are so stressed out about your financial affairs, all of those kind of things. You're not thinking straight, so you you might as well just be at home and, and not not be at work. Um, and one of the things that we advocated out of that was giving your uh, staff members a day off or bringing in a financial advisor, and on company time, you help them sort out all their finances and just kind of structuring that just to make sure that they feel a little bit ease in terms of their well-being, which means their performance is better, which means the whole company performs better, which means your productivity is better, and then then that goes off into then client relations and brand. Yeah, and I suppose and you can well. then roll that into your communications. Yeah, so it's got to really start from, from inside, and you've got to walk the talk. And and so often, and, and in all the corporate kind of environments that I go to, it's it, it, it's quite gobsmacking that this whole holistic approach to, you know, B Corporation listing is, is quite new to them. You know, it's like... Oh gosh, you know, are you sure we just don't have to keep the shareholders happy? Yes, you know. So, um, and even uh, I forget the lady's name, but she's uh, thrown her hat into the ring for the next American pres- presidential um, election, and she was she's um, proposing a, a a bill amendment that companies that have takings or profits over a billion dollars now start looking beyond the shareholders. Okay. Seriously, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's a new revelation that you know you you need to push. But that's kind of really where where big 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 businesses um, are. So so a lot of the work I do is trying to break down those systems and and the homogeneity of boards of directors and all of that kind of stuff to be able to get um, a more
more diverse and in, inclusive way of thinking because I think that's what's stifling a lot of companies. So, so what do you think? You know, so if you were in charge of the the brand communications, or you were running the kind of the communications department, how yeah. would you how would you begin? Like, what do you need to be aware of? What do you need to start like kind of rolling into your plans and stuff to to move down this route? You know, well, towards... I think I think specifically for for you know for twenty nineteen and 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 uh, you know the the seeds were were, were planted in twenty twenty seventeen already. So it's a long time for it to start coming to fruition, which it is now, um, is the very, very complex role of, of identity politics. It's, it's, it's really, really um, very complicated. And, and even if you're sure that you're going to push out a good message that is in line with inclusivity or whatever, you're kind of going to get a backlash. Uh, so you've got to back yeah, you, you, yeah. And then, I mean, I, t- I told, I, I did this, this talk, um, last night for um, uh, for the Disney group and I just said you know you they said but then how can you mitigate any of that backlash and I said you can't in a social media era you've got trolls around every single corner they will call you out they will you know backlash um, is a given so it's it's just kind of you know try and do as best as you can and keep stick to your guns and don't you know and assume the trolls are going to come out because they will um, but just you know uh, you know Try and do do your best and steer the ship as, as solidly as as possible, um, because you know just uh, you know for example the, the the thing that I found quite it's it's an extreme part of it, but um, you know now drag queens are being called out because they're lip syncing to um, gay anthems that were sung by you know that were originated by divas of color, so it's now being called out as cultural appropriation, which is just really stretching. That spread very very thin, but that's kind of the reality of, of where you, where you're going to go. Um, but I think over and above that, it's it's not only understanding the identity politics, but understanding that as a brand you have to stick your neck out, as uncomfortable as it is, and as much as you think you're going to lose some of your core clients, it it's it's kind of a given. You have to do that. So I use a again a 2017. Um, examples of Skittles, uh, Skittles candy, malt, you know, rainbow coloured everything. Um, and in 2017, they did possibly, I still use it as a benchmark uh, case because especially for a consumer brand um, and you, you, you speak to people that are in that value chain and you say to them, you know, what, what they did basically was for the month of June, which is Gay Pride Month, they decided to change all the packaging um, and change it to white and all of the sweets, the Skittles itself, which is multicolored, they made them only white. And I, you know, you, you speak, I spoke at a Unilever conference the other day, and I said, you know how difficult it is to change not only the product and the packaging and get it in store, but only for one month, and then take it all out again and then put it back in. I said, you know how much that cost them to mm. do that? But they obviously understood that that was necessary, and that's what they where they needed to stand, and uh, those kind of things that they needed to do. I mean, it's interesting, you know, so from our side of, of things, we try and always get our clients to the fact of understanding their kind of ultimate purpose. Yeah. Because I think when you know that and you operate from a place of authenticity and you put your messages out there with, from a place yeah. of authenticity, when the backlash comes, it's much easier to kind of shrug it off. Yes. And the companies yeah. that have taken a big bloody nose are the ones yeah. who are doing it as a lip service yeah. or as a whatever, yeah. then they get uncovered very quickly and then they get roasted over the coals and they don't have a lot to to really say 
um, and, you know, in response yeah, to and, it. You know, even that, if you, if even if you've got your ducks in a row and you and you, and you get the, the the troll tsunami, let's call it, um, you know, the, that's the nature of social media as well. It's a, it's a little, it's a rather big storm, but it's still in a teacup and it does blow. It, you know, it does blow over, and it's it just kind of yeah, it's it's how you you just react and manage to it, you know, and just don't make it worse. Don't let the CEO put their foot in it and yes. and, and, and just don't make deny. it worse. Yeah. Just apologize. Just apologize. <laughs> and you know, and, and to the going back to you know the kind of Gen Z things is especially for that generation is you don't just apologize, but you say you explain how you're gonna make it right as well. Yeah. So so it, it, it it's going further and saying, I'm sorry, we we did wrong. We're going to do this to to rectify the you know the thing and just come out really quickly and 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 very vocally and then. But now, I mean, what you're proposing is is quite a radical paradigm shift. It is, and it's an interesting one because it's almost like the people that would lead it are not necessarily the ones that that sh- should lead it. So you're talking yeah. the so people who are on the front line communicating and putting the brand out there are the ones that are kind of feeling the heat and the backlash. Yes, yeah, but. It's almost they need to be able to speak back into the business and back into the corporates and and get them to change behavior yeah. in in order for their message is, to be backed up with exactly. something more authentic. So, you know, so 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 I do a lot of stuff at at that corporate level and a senior management and executive level, and um, it is more about culture and ecosystems, and and that's what needs to that's what needs to change. You can't window dress that exterior there. You can't do a logo change and make the font a little bit curvier or not and put a shadow behind it and say, hey, we've reinvented. Um, you know, it's, it's really got to come from a fundamental change. And, and that is, I do have a lot of scars on my head from banging my head against the wall because it, it, it's such an ingrained thing. But if you think about it, all of the systems that are changing now are all ingrained and were spawned in the 20th century. So mm. everything from a I call it a quaint relic of the 20th century, a 40-hour work week that starts at 9 and ends at 5, when everybody can now work remotely. It's like, why do you still have that thing? You know, why can't you be a bit more flexible on on, on that? Uh, the the hierarchies, the the silos within you know, different departments, all the research that we've done is that there's a, you know, you need hybrid skills, you need, uh, it's, it's going to change. Every single company is going to, pivot in one way or the other whether it's a small little pivot or a really really big one um, but all of those pivots then require your your skill set and your ecosystem to change and you can't be that consumer um, interact you can't do that consumer interaction if that change hasn't been done internally because it'll always be window dressing you will always fail you will always be called out on something that is not authentic and and, and it's a bad communi- you know, a bad piece of communication. So, so, I mean, we were talking earlier around this idea of, of what people are tracking. And, and I think it started off with you talking about um, how you lecture and having to fill in a piece of paper. Um, will, you, will you tell us a little bit about sure, that? Sure, sure. I mean, so, um, you know, in the past three or four years, I've been uh, drawn into, into various business schools. Um, so I, I end up giving modules on um, kind of future trends or, or businesses, but my focus again is is kind of I frame innovation as part of company culture. So it's not a piece of tech. It's not an app that you develop. Um, it is actually the business model that needs to change, and that's where the true innovation really, really is. So, so it's a it's a it's a steep wall to climb. Um, but these business schools um, around the the country bring me in as like a professional cage rattler and and someone that's going to make people think very very differently. 
Um, and yet, with one of the institutions, I get sent uh, in January, we're updating all of our databases. Um, please will you fill in this form? And it requires me to fill in um, whether I've got a PhD degree, a master's, or whatever, all of the academic um, benchmarks that they use. Um, and I wrote back and I said, I refuse to fill this in because actually if I do fill it in, I do not have an academic background, but I lecture people with MBAs. So if that's not enough for you, then if I fill this in, then I'm actually going to be kicked out of whoever's assessing these forms will say, this guy's you not don't fit. Tick the box, you yeah. don't tick all the boxes. And that's my point is the boxes have changed as well. You know, So um, nothing fits in the right boxes anymore. And that's what I give to these these business schools and they should in turn actually change their measurements uh, you know as, as well but so there's there's just I said I said this a lot of times I said you know with if you look take a step back and you look at all the different systems that are changing um, you know around the world from from politics to to the world of work to to skills to everything like the education systems um, there's a lot of growing pains that we, we we're going through um, and yet so I say to people, we're, we're literally, literally, literally about to get into driverless cars. Um, there's two cities that are launching their, their commercial services this year, one in Helsinki, one in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, so that reality is here. But in a business sense, if we try to get into driverless car, we're still using a stick shift manual to try and operate that car. It's not going to work because the technology is different, the systems are different, and yet we still use that corporate model to run businesses and to do all of those things in a completely different era and they're not going to work but we, we cling on to them um, so even so I advocate continual learning so I did that I did a, a little course in December in Palo Alto in Silicon Valley it was a an innovation masterclass on how the challenges of big companies to scale innovation so, so I went there to, to do that but even there I went up to the um, program director, um, I did frame it. I said, you know, a lot of your speakers said you must have a speak up culture in your in your organisation. So I said, I'm speaking up now, and I said to them, <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot of your speakers spoke about you know the because a, a lot in Silicon Valley is about acquiring a startup business and trying to incorporate into that as part of innovation. And they said it, it doesn't work because the business innovation yeah. and, and and the business models don't fit. And I said, what I'm sensing this, and I said, take it from whence it comes. I come from a completely different continent. Um, I look much more globally at, at what innovation is in, in different parts of the world. I track what's happening in the United Arab Emirates. We're seeing what's happening in China. Um, and I said, my, my feeling with um, a very American-centric kind of look at that innovation is you are trying to get toothpaste back in the tube. You're talking about innovation, which is in a completely different environment, but you're all trying to suck it back into an old an old business model and I said you know that's I know you've discussed that but that was the fundamental thing that 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 jarred with me with with this with this conference so try to email them back they haven't answered my email so I've clearly upset somebody but a good cage rattles but I, I mean I think it's an interesting one because you're saying that we need to track different stuff different metrics there's different things that that are indicators for us now where we used to be tracking bottom line yes and yeah and investor returns. So, now we need to track. Yeah, so all I mean, just, just, just in terms of in terms of PR and, and, and that kind of brand communication, I read a very interesting article about um, dark social. So I was like, what the hell is dark social? And and what they were saying is, um, you know, because of digitization, because of social media, and all of these kind of things, 
um, a lot of specifically PR uh, and that kind of brand communication is being tracked uh, via influencers. So, I mean, that's kind of the, you know, everyone's like, which influencers are you working with? But that's, you know, that's a, it's a very narrow lens to, to view things. Yes, it, it can be effective, but, but you know, the measurement thereof is, is different because what this article was saying about dark social is so many people now share things on messaging apps and so via WhatsApp and all of those kind of things. And that gets kind of lost into the ether and into cyberspace. So you can't measure that. So it is being talked about, but there is no measurement. And yet the client goes, well, you know, I want that return of investment. I want proof of, of that kind of stuff. And so, you know, so do you thumb suck it? Have they been thumb sucking it? And, you know, so so what is that, what is that, 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 that way of measuring things? Um, and it's going to become even more difficult because we're starting to see the emergence of super apps um, that kind of grew out of, of China. So the, the Alipay or the Alibaba super app, you know, you never, ever leave that app. And the same with WeChat in an Asian context is you buy your stuff, you do things, you order food. You know, it's not a separate Uber Eats. It's not a separate app at all. You all you once you suck into that app, you just stay in that app. Mm. And And if dark social is just rearing its head now, then that's going to be really difficult to to measure as soon as we've got those super apps. And in the West, there's already, you know, um, what Facebook wants to do is is merge Messenger, WhatsApp, and Instagram. They're going to get a heavy resistance for that, but they want to merge it into what are the seeds of a super app from Facebook uh, to try and replicate what they do in Alibaba. Um, and But they're coming because more and more, you're just seeing these kind of super apps uh, start developing and it's just this convergence of a lot of things um, which can spiral our conversation into a whole different thing about <laughs> nudge theories and, yes. um, and, and social surveillance, uh, which I'm quite obsessed on at the moment. Um, but that's a very yeah, a worrying one as well. And what do you think, you know, so, so we're almost moving from this, this space where for a long time you couldn't measure stuff you know, so you didn't know what your engagement was getting you, what your PR, how effective yeah. your comms were. Then we had this golden age where everything was trackable, everything was easy. Now it's starting to get a little bit more complicated and people are moving off, um, you know, the, the, the yeah. platforms where they're easily tracked and they're communicating in different ways. Mm. So we're almost moving back to parts of an old old paradigm but well, with the, the know, wants of the new paradigm um, you know whenever i talk about some tech people you know get get quite freaked out and i said but you, know, you, you must realize that especially that you know when you when i've been track, tracking trends for such, such a long time it's a pendulum swing so it goes to, to the one extreme um and i think we're there we are at that swinging point with influences it's you know everyone's like get onto you know whether you Macro, micro, mega, you know, influences so many different things. And then that bubble is going to burst and, and we're going to maybe swing a different way, but we'll kind of fall back into the center. But then remembering that that center is never going to be the same as the center that you started off with. So even though you end up in the center, again, it's a different center and there's a, a different environment. Uh, things have changed while you're doing it, even if it does sort of come back to, to basics or fundamentals that you're used to doing. There's, there's always a little, a new lens to, in which to look through um, and learning from a bit of hindsight. I think there's also, I mean, even in that, there's the idea 
where I think with influencers, we've moved into a space where it's become inauthentic. Yes. And people are picking up on it very quickly and they're calling bullshit. Yeah. You know, and they, they, they're not engaging. So I think it started in an authentic place. It's now moved into a monetized mm, mm. kind of free for all Wild West. But it now is, it, yeah. it, there's like a resistance to it. So it, it kind of comes back to where we started our conversation, which is around authenticity and, mm. and kind of being open and honest. You know, so, so it's interesting. And maybe that even rolls into the PR discussion where we're communicating to this new generation mm. they expecting different things they're looking for different things but it all comes back to that kind of core of are you telling the truth are you actually operating from a place of and values then, you know and then don't forget i think one of the, the very important things specifically with with any kind of brand communication is that people are now a lot more aware and their awareness is heightened about fake news so you will look at things twice before you well some people don't a number of people on <laughs> facebook we just share blindly it's like really <laughs> um but but basically yeah you've got a you know you've got a very sus sus group of people specifically a younger demographic who's going to go uh, 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 that that doesn't sound um you know right right at all and and they will call you out and or they worst case scenario they're just not going to give you brand loyalty and they're going to flee and say that's not that's not part of what what i want to be in but I think from the flip side of that, you know, what you're saying is a lot of people are not embracing this space. They're not moving in there very quickly. So I think if you are one of the companies that does embrace it and move in there quickly, yeah. there's an opportunity to to grab people and get loyalty, you know, get kind of loyalty and form a relationship in a community. Yeah. And that'll they'll stick with you and not be like kind of caught by the next mm. shiny ad or the next kind of big brand you know, promise I, or the next influencer. And I think, you know, with these kind of different phenomenon waves that you know that come through so you know it's it's not a new thing now but you know anybody in an agency is going to pull their hair out when client says you know i want a viral campaign and i think you know you're trying to to reverse engineer something that is that happens naturally and that's why it always fails all the time because yes. you can't reverse engineer a viral campaign because there's so many different factors that 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 make it viral and go viral and there's the most unexpected things. I was just reading something before I came here. Um, it was something about the influencer kind of industry from Financial Times. Um, you know, and they were saying some people, uh, they become influencers purely by chance. They didn't intend to do it. And some people, uh, the most unlikely ones, I think there was like a sheep farmer who, or, or he was a dairy farmer and he was posting pictures of cows and everything. And then suddenly he went viral and he got all of this stuff, but then he said he actually deleted his account because he said, I didn't ask for this. It went viral without me wanting to be it. Um, but then suddenly he said he got American tourists coming onto the farm to take pictures and going, you know, what the hell is this? I'm you know, looking after my cows. Then the vegans came and started protesting on the farm about the cows and all of that and then animal rights. And he just said, okay, this is just enough. And he just deleted he it. So, you know, so, so those are the people who, who do it authentically. They didn't ask for it. And it came, they didn't like it, and then goodbye to that. So, yeah, so there's, there's very different ones. And um, you look at this, what there's that egg that um, yeah. got more likes or exactly. more followers you know? than, than Kendall Jenner, and, yeah. and it's an egg. So, exactly. this is the, yeah. the extremes in which we. So, which you we know, if you look at, at some of the, that's what this, this article was pointing out, you know, who the influencers are. The, um, uh, there's a pig who's a big influencer. <laughs> It's the chronicles of a pig. They thought they were buying a miniature pig, and it was actually not a 
little pig, it was a big ball. Uh, and that's on an Instagram account for it. And then it just kind of went viral. And then they started getting all that. And then another woman who said she just started documenting her obsessive cleaning habits. And then all of these cleaning product companies started phoning her and saying, okay, do you want to do this? Because of a, she even pinpoints her turning point. It was like she she put a picture of the bleach that she was using for the floor. And then suddenly all her, her followers just jumped after that. And then she started being a, a cleaner influencer so that's a thing so you can be a a dairy farm influencer or a or a cleaning products influencer so yeah so so i mean just just to sort of like kind of put a nice little cap on all of this mm. if, if you could wave a magic wand and change the way brands are communicating the way they're sort of engaging with the outside world like what do you think that that ideal end state looks like gosh um Yeah, this is going to just kind of sound like business suicide, but but it is just not brand. It's not all bottom line focused. It, it just because that is it, it's just the wrong way to go around things. The world is changing so rapidly. The the kind of the awareness of it, you know, as, as much as they can yak away at Davos every single year, people point out to them and saying, yeah, but this is the one percent talking about the ten percent, and you know that it's not really going to help um, anything. Everybody flies into Davos on their on their private jets, and and that kind of sense of inequality, Gini coefficients, all of that kind of thing is, is a real big system change. And you're seeing it um, in American politics, which I keep pointing out to Americans um, that ironically they have Donald Trump to thank for this kind of shift of things because he was the catalyst. I mean, two years ago, um, we've been tracking this, he personally spawned five global movements. You know, one was an LGBTI movement, one was because of the, coming out of the Paris Accord was a science movement, uh, anti-Islamophobia and immigration, you know, kind of things. Um, and the women's movement was really important. And because of Trump, more diverse people have put their hands up and gone into, into politics. So a very strange ripple effect of something that we found always, or the world found quite generically, the world found distasteful, has actually resulted in something happening. And I think it's because the, the time is right now. Um, we're not going to break down all of the systems that we that we grew up with and that we built in the 20th century, but that is happening. And if you're going to have some foresight as a brand or a communicator, you've got to kind of look differently. Um, and my, you know, my 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 favorite 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 New Yorker cartoon is one where they, it's a very dystopian one. There's one guy and he's got a group of kids sitting around an old campfire, they're in a cave, you know, it's like everything's been destroyed. And the caption goes, um, I know we destroyed the world, um, but for one brief happy moment, we kept the shareholders happy. <laughs> and that kind of does it for me. Uh, and I love that we can end um, on the idea that Donald Trump is actually the most effective um, inclusivity rights activist uh, influencer on the on the internet. Yeah, who knew? So, <laughs> so in terms of that communication, yeah, the the path which you think you're going to go on is not necessarily the path that you're going to get the outcome you wish. Sometimes it's a bit of a curve route, it's a fork in the road, um, and sometimes the most unexpected things are going to give you um, what it is. But you've got to be very very open to it. And and I think the last point is what I say to everyone, whether it's skills, whether it's new innovation, whatever, is keep looking across industry because something that's happening in, if you're in hospitality and something's happening in the music industry, you think it's totally unrelated, it is going to be related because there are fundamentals there that, that work 
Um, so keep looking closely at history because all of it is interconnected and we forget that interconnectivity of everything. Awesome. Thank you very much for joining us today, Dion. Great pleasure. Thanks. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. We believe sharing knowledge is an obligation. So if you know someone who would benefit from useful insights to stay relevant in the world of creativity, brand innovation, technology, and interacting in this new world, please share this podcast with them. On top of that, we welcome feedback, good or bad. So if you've got some, please reach out to us. One more question is brought to you by the people at NiceWork, a branding and service design company in Johannesburg, South Africa. If you would like to chat about the challenges you're facing, reach out to us at www.nicework.co.za. This will be released every week, so please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're one of those really old school people, send us an email or potentially a fax and we'll make you a mixtape. Thanks for listening.